Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now Podcast channel. Our conversation will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway and beyond. Uh, Joining me for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. Shane, welcome back. I know there's a lot here we want to bring our listeners, our clients up to speed on. So looking forward to the conversation. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be back with you. Hope you're doing well. So, Shane, getting right into it, thinking back over the past few days, uh, it was interesting. This week, we did see House Speaker McCarthy meet with President Biden at the White House. This was primarily for a discussion around spending as well as the debt ceiling. And, And the Speaker, he left the meeting with some expressed optimism over the prospects for a potential deal being reached at some point. So what would you say are the notable takeaways Shane, from the meeting, and is there a path forward here for some bipartisan resolution or compromise? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it was great that we saw some optimism out of the meeting. You know, it was cordial meeting, and but to the point, nothing was resolved at this meeting, nor did we expect anything to be resolved. This was kind of, to some extent, a uh, uh, check-the-box exercise that allows both sides to say that they're willing to work with each other. And, and committed to solving this problem. And this is a real problem. This is a, a significant issue that, if goes unaddressed, will have serious market uh, implications. So, you know, and I'm particularly pleased that they started, they had this meeting already. You know, um, here you and I are talking on Friday, February 3rd, and the death ceiling isn't going to be addressed until probably June, you know. Um, so to have an open dialogue now is much healthier than at the last minute on such a a sensitive subject like this. Um, So, you know, good, productive conversation in that um, it it opened the lines of communications. It was not productive in the sense of coming up with a solution. I think at the end of the day, this will be resolved and it will somehow be bipartisan because it needs to be Um, in this uh, divided government, you know, one side probably can't win over the other. Um, so, you know, uh, I think I think we're headed in the right direction, but but rest assured the, the next few weeks and months on this issue, there will be bumps in the road and, you know, there'll be ups and downs to to the final solution here. It does sound like it was an encouraging step just hearing about this dialogue. And as you pointed out with our colleague Tom McLaughlin on top of the morning a couple of weeks ago where we spoke specifically about the debt ceiling and you reminded our listeners just now this will be an ongoing conversation as we head towards June. So we'll keep an eye on further developments. Another topic I wanted to follow up on when we spoke, this is back in January, we talked about committee formations and assignment changes as at the time the new Congress took shape. So in the way of follow-up, Shane, any developments on that front that have taken place since we last spoke? Yes, we've had um, committee assignments handed out uh, um, to uh, the members, uh, senators and representatives, and the committees have now started, you know, their official work. Um, You know, some of that does take time um, because, you know, uh, often you have um, uh, people making a presentation of why they should be on, you know, an exclusive committee um, or why they may need to be on more than one committee. So there it's 
it's a lot of process that often takes, you know, weeks, not days. And so we have now reached that point where uh, people have been put on their committees. Uh, we've even seen uh, Republicans kick off a few Democrats from committee assignments for a variety of reasons. Um, and now we're seeing those committees, you know, really start to um, plow ahead with their work. A lot of committees this week had what's known as their organizational meeting, where it's usually just a kind of a pro forma meeting where they, you know, say, here are the rules of the committee for this Congress, and, and we look forward to working with each other. And, you know, it, it, it usually lasts just like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, some of the organizational meetings we saw this week were very contentious. Uh, you know, in one committee, there was a full-throated debate over the use of welfare and if that was racist. And in another committee, there was a full-throated debate over uh, reciting the pledge of allegiance before the committee uh, has a hearing. Another committee um, had a full-throated uh, contentious debate about uh, firearms in the committee room. So, you know, what is traditionally an easy lift was not an easy lift this, uh, this uh, time around, which is very concerning from the um, view of, you know, is there any bipartisanship left in Congress? Is there the spirit of uh, comedy between the two parties of working together. And, and this is just another example of that eroding away, which I think is a concerning trend, a trend for having a, a Congress that is actually able to function. Well, contentious, as you put it, it's a good way to characterize it. I did catch a few clips from this past week and quite eye-opening to say the least. Though something that jumped out at me, this is sticking with committees, we did see that the House Judiciary Committee in particular launching an investigation into President Biden's border policies. Of course, the border, Shane, we've spoken about this here on the podcast for many, many, many months now. But what are some of the objectives of these specific hearings and how might this all progress from here? Yeah, the border is really, you know, one of the top issues for House Republicans. And, you know, the Judiciary Committee has jurisdiction over immigration. And so this will be a focal point for the Judiciary Committee in the House, I think, through over the next two years. And and you're right. They had a hearing that was billed as uh, the Biden border crisis part one. So the, the part one uh, uh, of that title infers that that this is only the beginning. There's going to be more. And I think that's right. You know, this hearing was uh, contentious over for, you know, border security, but also uh, policies that uh, have been put in place over the years or, um, you know, like Title 42, which is um, a Trump era policy uh, that uh, had pandemic restrictions for those crossing the border, et cetera. So, you know, I think what we can guarantee here is that this will continue to be a contentious issue. The Judiciary Committee is going to be um, uh, hitting on this issue quite frequently over the next two years, and it will be a focal point. Um, you know, you've already seen um, Republicans to move to impeach um, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas over his, uh, in their view, uh, inability to um, take hold and enforce border policies and get immigration under control. Um, you know, so legislation, I believe two separate articles of impeachment have been introduced. So this is going to be a continuous item that we talk about and follow. Um, 
and it will be a real dividing issue, I think, over uh, between Republicans and Democrats uh, over the next two years. You know, there are some things that I think they can work on and come to a solution on uh, for border security measures. Uh, but what happens, is, as we've talked about before, is, you know, those issues um, often get sidelined because of the partisan uh, politics of the larger issues at hand. Well, this is one we'll definitely continue to follow. So thank you, Shane, for bringing us up to speed on that. Another congressional point of interest I wanted to cover this week. We've been hearing about negotiations surrounding the 2023 Farm Bill, which is a unique and really crucial piece of legislation. So could you maybe speak to the titles that make up the bill to get us educated on that and speak to the latest on the negotiations where they stand today? You're right. This is a big and important bill. Um, it, and it happens about every five years. It's usually very bipartisan. So, you know, that tees this up um, for action this year because uh, the current farm bill expires. And, you know, as we've talked about in divided government, you know, things that are bipartisan have the best chance to um, pass into law. So this uh, could be, you know, one of the um, bigger points of achievement for this Congress. And you're right, this is a bigger bill than most people realize. It's got, um, you know, about a dozen pieces to it, you know, ranging from things like crop insurance um, to research, conservation. Uh, a big one is the SNAP program, which uh, many people uh, know as food stamps. So, you know, there are some contentious debates ahead. Um, you know, on SNAP would be one of the areas of contentious debate. But I think you're going to see uh, over the course of time, you know, some stumbles, but eventually lawmakers will come together and produce a bill that, you know, over the next uh, five years spends hundreds of billions of dollars um, on uh, ag in, in our country. And, you know, so, you know, everything from corn and wheat to crop insurance that I, I mentioned uh, to conservation of land. So it, it is uh, quite uh, wide-ranging and impactful, you know, um, to our society. You know, uh, imagine if, um, if there were some serious crop failures and these programs were not in place to try and uh, get get crops back online again and food on the table of Americans. So this is this is a serious bill. It seems to carry with it a lot of serious implications. So, of course, one that we want to get right. So thank you, Shane, for providing us with a recap there. And this is, of course, one we'll continue to track. Maybe stepping outside of D.C. for a moment and heading to the skies of Montana, though I believe the Pentagon hasn't been quite specific as to the location. I'm, I'm speaking in reference to this spy balloon, as the Pentagon has characterized it. And it sounds like it, it might have originated from China. So have you heard anything about this, Shane? I, I heard about headlines as recent as last night. I know it's continued to be covered as of today as we're speaking. So what's the latest there against the backdrop of delicate relations between the U.S. and China? Yeah, this is a fast-breaking one that, you know, as, as you noted, it really um, uh, came to light yesterday afternoon evening. And the Pentagon just held a briefing um, before you and I jumped on this uh, podcast together. And you're right, you know, the Pentagon's being a little cagey about it and not giving some of the details, even the location of the balloon and had a glib uh, remark of, well, Americans can look up in the sky and see where it is. So, you know, I think 
what we did learn from the Pentagon's press briefing was that they're pretty emphatic that it is a spy balloon, while at the same time the Chinese government says it's a weather balloon that got off track. Um, the Pentagon's briefing also uh, said that this had maneuverability to it, and they've seen it m- maneuver. So this is um, quite delicate, you know, and this happened as Secretary of State Blinken was supposed to go to China, um, and that uh, visit has been postponed. Um, so this is going to be developing, uh, you know, over the next few days because you know, the balloon is over the middle of America and and will continue at, at, uh, to be over uh, the U.S. for a few days. Um, a balloon does not travel that fast, you know. So um, at this time, the, the United States government has decided not to shoot it down. Maybe that changes. Um, but, it, you know, even if they don't shoot it down, there's a question of, you know, letting the balloon go over the United States and still get back into the hands of the Chinese government. Uh, there are a lot of um, lawmakers who are very concerned uh, about this uh, and that happening where the Chinese government could retake possession of this balloon. And the frustration is from both sides of the aisle. Uh, you know, uh, both Republicans and Democrats have already expressed um, outrage and concern uh, over this spy balloon. And, you know, as I think we've talked about before, you know, lawmakers are positioning themselves to be even tougher on China than they have in recent years, you know, with the establishment of these uh, committees to really delve into China and a variety of issues. And one of those issues obviously was going to be uh, the military issues. And so this is going to be um, played right into that narrative and theme. And, you know, I think you'll see lawmakers having, um, not only um, classified briefings about this, but public hearings and discussions about um, this balloon and the wider problem of China that is posed by these actions. So, you know, it, it, it is a developing story that that I think we're barely in Act 1 of, you know, this balloon here. It's a fascinating story, to say the least. I'd be curious next week, maybe we can follow up on this one to see how it plays out. I'm looking out over the skies of Connecticut at the moment. They appear to be clear, but I will keep my eyes open. But Shane, thank you as always for dropping by, keeping our listeners informed on a range of points of interest within the Beltway and beyond. And I do look forward to picking back up with our conversation again next week. Great, Dan. Have a great weekend, and I look forward to catching with you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Shane. Again, today we have been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. As a reminder to our listeners, as well as our clients of UBS, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication, which can now be located up on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement 
documents and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary or ask your UBS financial advisor for a copy.